How's it going, everybody? This is Julian with uh, another episode of my Italian podcast. I am here with my teammate, Liz Knowles. Uh, she is a wellness competitor, uh, and she is actually the first, I said first, so that's history attached to this name, hey. Wellness Louisiana. Um, and as y'all can see, she is full of energy at all times. Uh, so how's it <laughs> going, Liz? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? We're pretty good. We're pretty good. So um getting into the first question I just want to discuss your background um have you always wanted to compete kind of where did that start like what happened okay so I grew up playing softball in high school super competitively I was pretty sure that um I was playing college but then I fell into a bit of a eating disorder and that kind of ruined my chances for that um I got offered a scholarship at the D3 school, but at that point, I kind of knew softball wasn't really going to take me anywhere big in life. Um, it's not like a super big sport here in the U.S. Um, so I wanted to prioritize my education at that point and decided to go to LSU. And when I was at LSU, I dabbled at the UREC working out. Um, fitness has always been kind of important to me. Eating healthy has always eating healthy. I didn't know really what health was at that time but you know the information that you feed yourself in high school um I it mattered to me so my sister told me about CrossFit and so I dabbled in that and Olympic weightlifting and again still I kind of fell into like the paleo thing for a bit um just anything and everything that I can kind of soak in to perform my best and be my best at anything I was always like that and people would ask me if I ever did bodybuilding or if I was a bodybuilder, if I compete in it. And I was always like, no, I had no, I, I knew nothing about bodybuilding. In my mind, all bodybuilders were like Arnold, like big, like just even the girls. And I know right. that's, that's that, but like, I knew nothing of like figure bikini or anything like that. Um, but I got an internship in Florida and it's a, it's pretty big there, um, bodybuilding, much bigger than here in Louisiana. So whenever I joined a gym over there, uh, the same questions. And a girl I met um, was like, I compete. And I was like, you what? Like, she looked great. I was like, right. I don't want to look like that. And right. she gave me some YouTubers to look into. And then from there, uh, I was sold. And I told a guy that I was doing nutrition with at the time that did prep bodybuilders. He was someone that told me I should do it. Um, I was like, all right, I'm in like, let's do my first prep. So was it 2017? Was it bikini? It was, it was bikini. He was, he was like, you should do figure. And I was like, no, because again, I didn't really know what figure was. I only knew bikini and like bodybuilding. So I was like, no, I want to do bikini. He's like, okay. So that led to cardio, man, <laughs> cardio and cardio. Cause I started with, with foundation. I was an Olympic weightlifter or CrossFitter. I had softball legs. Um, and he knew that wasn't, that wasn't it. That wasn't it for bikini. So for three years of competing, I tried to bring my legs down. Um, and it wasn't fun for me anymore. <laughs> right. No, I can definitely understand. came um because i don't have yeah so i can definitely understand that um as far as competing like before we get really involved into that and what wellness is you mentioned an eating disorder um i've seen you talk about yes. that a bit but not like a whole bunch so what was like when was that did lifting and stuff kind of help you get out of that or had you already conquered that prior to getting into CrossFit mostly? So that's a really cool question um, because I kind of came to this like realization pretty recently. Um, I don't think you're ever fully recovered from something that you're addicted to or that you have an addiction to, um, but you overcome little things and you realize that you know, you've overcome that small bit too. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, growing up, I want to say sixth grade, sixth grade, how sad is that, was my first experience in dabbling into an eating disorder. And the first one that I dabbled into was bulimia. It was just something that I saw on a television, you know, episode 
MTV or something like that one time. And I had eaten too much of something and I felt really guilty about it. So I tried to make myself throw up. Wow. That sounds really uncomfortable saying now because I'm like so far from it. And, um, I was like, that, that's not the one for me. <laughs> I, I don't mean to make a joke out of it, but I was like, whoa, no, I cannot. There's gotta be another way to, to lose this weight. That, that ain't it. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, um, eat less, right. Obviously kind of let me see, let me learn more about it. And, and that's where it started. It started in just wanting to learn more about it. And I became surprise, obsessed. I became obsessed with the perfect diet. And so what I was actually diagnosed with was OCD and orthorexia, um, which is basically the obsession of eating as healthy as possible. And the way that it really becomes an issue is you tell yourself that you can't have all of these types of foods because it's not, you know, what's best for your body and your performance that you end up just being super malnourished because now you're not eating anything. And it came where I couldn't even go to restaurants anymore because I didn't trust that they would abide by what I was telling them to do. So if I asked for like no butter, no oil, if something looked even a little bit like wet to me, I freaked out. I'd have an anxiety attack and like it like it it was um what's the word I'm looking for? It was, it was a handicap. Basically. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Um, so I got help. My parent, my parents finally got me help. I want to say ninth grade. Um, and really because I couldn't, I couldn't do sports anymore. And I love, I loved softball. I love softball. So I got help and I started to eat more. And again, it was things that I thought was okay, but I, I was a little more comfortable with going out to eat at certain places, but then I had safe places. Um, so that's what I mean by like step one of like overcoming this eating disorder. And I played softball. I was fine. Um, I was never the athlete I could have been because I was not eating properly. Um, even though I was eating to be healthier than I previously was, I was still not my best. I was not performing my best. Um, but I had a bit of a relapse my senior year and that's when it was, it was really, really bad. Um, and they let me play on the softball team. Well, they didn't let me play. I didn't play. They let me be on the softball team because I was a senior, but I didn't play. Um, I lost a ton of weight. It was really bad. Um, so I went back to therapy and I think it was a transition, like going into college, like transition period. So you could see from middle school to high school, my first one, another transition period high school to college, another one. Um, but when I got to college and my parents were keeping a close eye on me, but when I got into CrossFit, that's when I kind of fell into like the paleo stuff, um, which would have been really easy for me to kind of relapse with that because it's another, um, kind of restrictive, I guess, eating disorder. I, I shifted my focus to performance and I kind of acknowledged that if I didn't want to be a string bean and not be able to lift the weights that everybody else in the gym was lifting the weights, I had to eat food. Um, so that was another kind of point where I overcame. Um, I just started to eat again, healthy foods that were in the paleo realm, but I was, I was eating, I was fueling myself at this point. Um, so when I first got into bodybuilding and I got my first, I'd start with the meal plan first ever meal plan I got was from this, from my coach, Nick Tognetti at the time. And there was rice, oatmeal. These are things that I was like, this is going to make me fat. I'm not doing it. There's no way. He was like, just trust me. Um, so the first week I like was eating carbohydrates that I haven't eaten in years. And I lost weight. <laughs> and at that moment I was like, I know nothing. <laughs> right. Right. It was such a humbling moment, but it was also a moment where I, I no longer had these food fears for these, these things that you just deemed so bad for you for no reason. Um, and so that was another moment that I overcame. And then I dabbled into um, IFFYM macros. I learned what macros were and I started to kind of play around um, with like cereals and bagels and 
avocados and just like things that I, they fit my macros, but I would have never eaten them before in my life. And that was another moment, you know, that I truly overcame. And I'm still overcoming that because I'm now shifting away from macros back to a meal plan with Ryan. And somebody had asked me if that, you know, was triggering to my eating disorder or anything like that. And I, I almost found, find it so opposite because when I was doing macros, I was constantly on my fitness pal checking to see if this fit into this and this fit to this. And I was so food focused on what my next meal was going to be. And if this fit into this, and then even on my free meal days, because I was fitting in more fun foods, I felt like I couldn't get a burger or get fries on those days because I was eating fun foods those other days. So I was so food focused, even though I was allowing myself to eat these things. And now because I'm, you know, boom, boom, boom during the week, which I think comes from just me being so focused on my goals too. I'm not weighing out every little, you know, he, he tells you to eat a banana. What do I do? I eat a banana. Does it matter if that banana is 120 grams, 90 grams, 130 to me right now? No, it doesn't. And same with the avocado. I eat half an avocado and on my free meal days, I don't weigh a thing. I just, what do I want? I want a burger and sweet potato fries. I want stacked cookies and I feel no type of way. And like every single time I'm like, wow, I overcame my eating disorder. Wow. I overcame my eating disorder. I can't wait till next year when I'm, you know, thinking about it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I really overcame it. You know what I mean? It's like, you just, it just keeps going. Right. So I'll say this. I follow Liz on Instagram. And she might not be fully recovered, but she eats more than I do currently. Um, stack cookies, burgers, sweet potato fries, team big bites. So she's definitely doing well in that category. Uh, we love the big bites. We love the big yeah. bites here. So um, one of the things I've talked about in one of my podcasts actually is the word obsession. Yeah, um, that, was, that was good. That was good. Lit my fire. So, and what I was, what I talked about was there's a such thing as like, I think, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor or counselor guys, but I think there's certain ways that you can use an obsessive, I guess, mentality for good. Um, and through that, it can trickle down into focusing you in all those areas to help you go towards your goal. So in your situation, obviously you're, you were obsessed, like you said, and it was a, a, a downfall. It was, it was a negative thing. Do you think that now you've been able, because from what I've, I've dealt with addicts, like drug addicts though, like why, you know, I've dealt with drug addicts and it always seems like before, sometimes before they recover, they just switch addictions. So you've yeah. never really like recovered. You just stopped yeah. doing drugs, but you put it into something else. And now it's, it's still a bad situation. It's just not drugs. You know what I mean? Right. Do you yeah. feel like you've, fully I guess got rid or you're still fully getting rid of that obsession or are you taking that energy in a positive way and put it into something else like how was that going cool that's a great question I love that question um <laughs> so I I do think in the beginning it was a shift from one addiction to the next um and I think you can stop there and you can say, well, at least my addiction is more of a positive thing now. Um, but I'm going to be so bold <laughs> to say that that addiction, that emptiness is a missing hole that you're trying to, you're trying to fill a God-sized hole with a very superficial thing. Um, so now where I am, I, I think it's not so much an addiction. Um, I think it's more passion and something that I truly love and I truly feel is my purpose and like my alignment with where God wants me right now. Um, and I feel fulfilled from him. I don't have to feel that addiction to feel whole. Like I feel whole through him. And I think right now he's using me more in this sport um, then I am using the sport to fuel an addiction, if that makes sense. It does, because and, and we'll go into this now. Um, 
as far as topic goes that we discussed. But one of the things that draw, draws me to you, as far as you, we got plenty of teammates and everybody's great and everybody's cool, but you're constantly on Instagram using your platform to share the word of God, whether it's your devos in the morning, whether it's scripture um, and different things like that. So I applaud you for that because that is refreshing in the industry that we're in. You don't yeah. really see it a lot. You do see some people play with it a little bit. I'm going to post this picture and put a Bible scripture underneath it type stuff. I get that. Yeah. But it's an everyday thing for you. It's been consistent. So you can see the authentic, uh, authentic vibe, I would say, from you because it never goes away. Like, it's always there. So my question is, I'm going to ask you this because I've seen you answer this, but I want you to answer it on here. Okay. With being a Christian, being on fire for God, you're a leader. Um, people do follow you. You do set an example. What do you say to the people that say you can't be Christian and compete in a sport that we do? Right. And um, that it's it's a very understandable question. Um, you see these girls. Um, first of all, we train in sports bras and spanks most of the time um, in a gym setting. And then you're on stage in a, in a bikini showing off your body. Um, but I think it's, it's very important to understand that when you are in this sport, you are not objectifying the person that is on stage, whether it being a female or a male. If you are truly in the sport, I can say that nobody is up there saying, Zam, they are fine. Like that is, that is, that is not it. And you can be the most beautiful person on the stage, but the people that are watching are just amazed at the physique itself. And they, they understand the hard work that went into it. So it's, it's two completely different things. And I genuinely believe like when I first got into the sport, no, it was not to glorify God. I was that person that you were just seeing that would, you know, post a Bible verse like here and there. Um, but body, like not bodybuilding, but sports saved my life. And um, I think I gravitated. I came out of where I was. And then um, I started to dabble into bodybuilding and God. And I think God was like, I'm going to use Liz here. I'm going to take all of the mess that she went through and I'm just going to place her here and let her be a disciple for me. And that is truly a calling that I feel on my heart and I pray for it daily. I pray, you know, to, for him to check my heart in it. And I'm still here. I still feel that calling. And until I feel him pull me another way, I will continue to compete in this sport because I love the training. I love the process. I love the hard work. And I think it makes everyone better. I think this sport is just, it's such an amazing thing for you to see how hard you can truly push yourself, you know? So I would even say, I mean, when you look at sports, like you said, sports all the way around, boxing, it's a violent sport. I know Chris is the box, uh, football, violent sport. I know Chris is a play football and they're still using their platform. Like Tim Tebow is one of my favorite athletes of all time because he used his platform the way that he did. And it was not a very easy thing for him to do it. A lot of people couldn't stand him for it. And even in my situation, you said like sports saved your life. Me too. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a child of a single mother. I needed sports. That's where I really first thought, saw like men interact and like kind of be have an example of that. But um, yeah, I played basketball in college. I went to a little small NAIA school and my senior year, I did not know it was my senior year. So I went, I left school, got into some mess, had a girl, decided to drop out, went back, but I was at a little junior college just going to class because I wanted to graduate. Um, when I went to my next school, they took a year of my eligibility away for going to that community college. Oh, wow. We were trying to fight to get that back. And I'm filing petitions. I'm doing all this. And like about two and a half weeks, I found out I wasn't going to be able to play. So like my senior year was really my junior year because we thought we were going to get that year back. But I said that yeah. this, during that time, 
you almost feel like God strips things away from you because of how you're doing things, how you're behaving. And what he lets me know is that I like, I make basketball my God, basically. I was waking up, basketball, practicing basketball. I'm partying. Girl, like I'm not giving him any type of, I'm going to a Christian school doing this, by the way. I'm not giving him any type of glory. There's nothing on the platform. The only thing that I did consistently was before every game, away or home, my mom prayed over me. So if she was at home game, you'd see Julian running up in the stands because she's praying. And if it was a away game, I'd call her while I was in the locker room. That was the only consistent thing I was doing. So when he stripped it away from me, bodybuilding was my second chance, which yeah. is why I love the sport so much, because this is like my second chance to try to do this the right way. And now I'm here and I'm doing all those things. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that if, if you're going to have that type of feeling, you really need to get into the sport because we are displaying our physiques. It is a muscle pageant. It's not a beauty pageant. Yeah. Uh, I say that to say, because I've won a show and I am not the most handsome person in the world. So you can't say it's a beauty pageant. Um, but on top of that, like you need to, you need to spread that around with every sport then. Because to me, like MMA, yeah. such a violent sport. How in the world could you be like, you're wrong, but this is okay. When this person literally tried to take this person's head off, like that's not the most godly thing that we can do, but I don't see it that way. That's just the sport that you compete in. If you're using your platform the right way, you can bring in plenty of MMA fans who hear you and be like, you know what? I want to, I might go to church now because I just heard so-and-so say, you know, he's giving God the glory for this one. So yeah, I agree. And I like, I just want to remind people like, Jesus used, if you read the Bible, like the Bible is awesome. Okay. The first of all, like, <laughs> wow. It's a Bible savage. If you've ever right. really read it, <laughs> he used murderers. He uses prostitutes. Like these people were not perfect. We are not perfect. And he is going to use us right in the middle of our mess, right in the middle of, you know, my eating disorder and your drug addiction. He's going to take that and he's going to use that because that makes you relatable. Like who can relate to somebody that is so perfect? You're going to feel judged. So when people are open and vulnerable and honest about their life, it makes the next person that knows that they're not perfect, feel okay and be accepted by you and then you can speak about Jesus and invite them into, you know, being saved, letting them, you know, come to church or just open a devotional or anything like that. It's that that's the way that you bring people in. It's not by being perfect. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And I, I agree because I feel like there is a different crop of Christians coming up. Um, And I say that to say this is just my thought process again, but Millennials think differently when approaching Christianity. We have a very different outlook than the people that were above us. Like you said, because it's it's certain things that I was taught in church where there is a fear of God and I understand, but I fear God. Like, don't do this. God going to get you. (laughs) Like, I just don't think that's how even (laughs) tattoos, like tattoos. I thought like that was the gateway to hell, like yeah. getting that things yeah. like that. So it's, it's now that I'm still growing and developing, like I told you, we had a conversation. I almost like, I hated religion so bad. I just cut off my relationship with God. I'm like, I hate all this. I hate all the church. I'm tired of being judged, which we're supposed to be judged, but there's a different type of judgment that I'm talking about. And I just, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. I was just throwing fed up. So again, People like you, it's refreshing because it's yeah. a different, it's a, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was going to go back to kind of what you were saying about like um, the, where kind of how you weren't glorifying God, like where you were and stuff like that. Um, I think it's, it's something to be said that right now there's a big law of attraction. Do you, do you know about that? how you can pretty much like manifest anything yeah, and you you can manifest and you can hard work your, your way into anything. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. I believe 100% hard work pays off, but it, it's kind of like you said, like if God's not in it, if God's not 
blessing it, then that's where you're going to get the anxiety and, you know, the bad things stripped away from you. And it's because his blessing and his, his, his hand was, was never in it. Um, and I think that's a really big thing too, that's going on right now is people, you know, it's, it's hustle harder, work harder. You can get anything that you want. Um, but there's, there's that fall away. Like you, yes, yes, you can. But if, if it's not a blessing, if God's hand's not in it, then how long can you hold on to that until you self-destruct? Yeah. And I was actually going to say, because you can, you can get any type of success, like you're saying, but it doesn't mean you're happy. It doesn't mean you're fulfilled. Exactly. And so exactly. I think and then yeah. is that just, that yeah. comes back to, is that just how fulfilling that addiction with whatever you're working so hard towards and right. you're still empty. Right. Yeah, no, that's good. That's great. So as we're, we're, we're discussing this because you are a Christian in the industry. And like I said, you do use your platform uh, in a great way. I believe too. It's, it's, it's awesome to have way you use your platform. So, what are some goals for you besides becoming a pro, which is going to happen? Um, you know, that's coming. But like, what are some goals for you with this sport, with your platform? What are you thinking? That's such a hard question because I don't, I mean, I think it's important to have goals, um, but I think it's important to not have those goals. Like you said, kind of without God's hand in it. Um so is my goal right now to grow my social media or I literally just made my first YouTube video like Saturday. Really? <laughs> um, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So All is right, my for goal those watching, grow- listening, I will link, <laughs> I will link the YouTube in the description for the podcast, I, I, audio and video. Okay. But what I was saying is my goal to grow that. No, um, it's really not because why, why should I have more if I'm not reaching who I have right now? So my goal right now is just to connect with the people that are following me and being as genuine to them and as helpful to them as possible. Like whether that be, I have people sending me, you know, videos of their squat, of their lifts. And I just, you know, as long as they don't have a coach, you know, I'm not trying to interfere with that at all. Um, I'll like send them, you know, some tips that I can, or if people have questions about nutrition, I help them with that. Um, obviously like devotionals, like how can I get closer to God, anything like that? Like, I just really feel like that's, that's where I'm at right now. Um, and I don't want to put too much on my plate because then that kind of takes away from how the obsession of becoming pro, you know, you have to, like you said, uh, Tom, Tom Brady, 19 hours a day, 16, 15 hours a day, all football, yeah. all football. Same thing for me right now, all bodybuilding. And if I put too much on my plate, it's going to take me away from that. I have a job, have a real job. So it's that, and it's training. And whenever, you know, I'm to a place where I feel pull another way, then I'll know what my goal is at that point. Does that make sense? Yes. I just like to ask these questions. I told you that. So you're yeah. fine there. Um, okay. So you're a wellness athlete. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you feel like this division was created for you, big leg girls who don't want to lose muscle and and, and, okay. and get down into the division. So how many shows have you done in wellness? Four. Four. Okay. Uh, you went to nationals, right? Yes. You got top five? I got, yes, second. You At got, junior, you Oh, so you just picked the wrong show. What, another show, <laughs> you were a better pro. Uh, <laughs> it was the first, it was the first one, um, right. to be fair. Okay. To opt in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We, we, we didn't know what was around then. I was just like, I, I'm in. Let's do it. So as far as wellness, where do you see that division going? Because I know we're still finding criteria. Uh, it's so. I think, boom. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think that's wellness to me is going to be the closest thing as far as the boom and classics physique. Because even like yeah. I'm a physique competitor and men's physique blew up. 
But when Classic came out, like the Bumsteads and those guys just have so much more pill that it's really yeah. grown that division to the point to where it's basically number two now, in my opinion, to bodybuilding, mm-hmm. which is always going to be that. So it, it's to, I think that you're going to start to see at a lot of these national shows, a lot of these shows where wellness is going to have the most competitors um, because it just fits the woman's physique more, in my opinion, just in general. So what are your views on wellness? What do you like about it? What are you hoping to get out of it? Like, what's that? You're a wellness competitor. Talk to us. Yeah. So um, where I see it going, I think it's still being shaped um, right now. It's there's kind of one shape, I would say. And it's more of like um, the Brazilian Puerto Rican look uh, because they they already knew about it. They're so they're so far ahead of us. Um, we're like more American jeans um are playing catch up because we're either coming from bikini or we're coming from figure um so I think this year we'll really see a lot of different shapes to where we've seen a lot of the same shape a lot of the same body type I think more variety is going to come in and kind of like how and and Sandy said this how bikini it's not a structure they're looking for it's not a specific body type like don't try to copy someone else that won just because they won it. There's um criteria that they're looking for, but it's not, everybody has to look like this, if that makes sense. Um, so I think what's really important for girls who are trying to achieve the sport right now is to effing train as hard as you possibly can your lower body and your glutes and just train hard and just grow and eat and understand that it's not bikini. Okay. Like with muscle comes a little fluff and your off season weight, it's going to be a lot fluffier than probably what you want it to be because you're going to have some muscle underneath that fluff. And, and yeah, you know, it, it can be scary for females because it, it, your off season looks going to be more of that bulky look, um, which might be something that pushes a couple people away um, when they realize, you know, how you how hard it really is if you don't have the specific right. genes. Like you are not like that genetic um, anomaly. I want to say, I guess, or just that makeup where like you have that body type. You have to build it. And building muscle is hard, but that's what I love about it. And that's what I want to get out of it. Like I come from CrossFit. So every workout you're on your butt dying, like whether it's a two minute workout or it's a 20 minute workout, you're still on the ground, like dry heaving, like coughing, (laughs) push yourself so hard. And that's what like training for wellness makes me feel like again, like I feel like an athlete trying to go the opposite way for bikini. It I wasn't an athlete. I was a cardio bunny, you know? So I really, I'm getting to be an athlete again. And, and I think that's what I love the most about the division. Like, of course you love being on stage and looking beautiful and having your hair done. Like, that's just like five minutes on stage. That's five minutes of the whole thing. (laughs) Like, if that's the only thing that you like out of it, like, you don't like this. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's a whole year of, of, work that goes into it before that and I think that uh one of the things I've been talking about and one of the things I've been sharing is the surface level so and that's what you're you're referring to where that surface level that five minutes on stage you look great you win a show oh my gosh I want that um but you don't see what's behind the scenes of what's going on and so this I want you to discuss because again we've talked about how much you're eating we talked about the fact that, you know, you're the, the way you're lifting and you're not planning on competing for a full year. Correct. Okay. So, guys, I don't know. I haven't been on stage in probably what three years now, but I spent one off season. It was about an eight to 12 month off season building my physique. And this was after I did a show where I got my butt kicked. So my coach was like, I got a new coach. And at the time, he's like, I'm not letting you get on stage till you have a year with me. I'm like. Okay, so it was very beneficial, but it was very hard because you get on stage. You want to talk about an addiction like 
man, I wanted to be back on stage, not just yeah. to be on stage, but I wanted to prove to the people that were laughing that you're yeah. wrong, like all those things. So the type of mentality that you have to go into to be able to take a year off, to eat the way you are, to gain that flow. Talk a little bit more about that, because I think a lot of women might, especially like you said, American, might have to go through this because there's no yeah. point on stage and not improving or hoping that you improve I think honestly for me so what drives that and I can only speak for me I can't speak for everyone right but what drives that for me is the fear of stepping on stage and looking the exact same and you see it and social media is there now so not only do you see it but you're sending that picture of that person on stage who looks the exact same to your friend and being like, they should have took more time off from the state. I don't want to be that person. You know what I mean? And it's like, when, when I started in wellness, I would see a lot of people on social media. Um, nobody ever really said anything negative about me, at least not to my face or that I know of, um, about what is wellness. They're like, that's not wellness. This is wellness. And I felt so much doubt. <laughs> there was so much doubt the entire, even after I won state, like still doubt, you know, like, am I really like, was that just luck? Um, so I went to nationals and I got second and I did not think I had a pro physique and I don't want anybody to think that I thought I had a pro physique. I went into that show, like, Lord, I would be so happy if I got top 10 second call outs, like that would have been amazing to me. So I get second place. And I knew at that point in that moment, I didn't have a pro physique and I had to take time off in order to, to grow my physique. Um, and it was really in that moment. Um, I went on to do Pittsburgh, um, where more of the Brazilian girls showed up and I placed sixth. So it kind of just confirmed um, that I needed to take time off, um, which I already knew before I did it. I went, it was just the weekend after. So I was like, you know, why not hop into the show? The judges told me, you know, you got second, you should go do it. Um, but I was like, I'm shutting it down. I'm shutting it down. And I want to grow because anything worse or anything that's not my pro card is a lose. Like I already got second place. I already got that, that spot right there. I know how it feels. And so every time I'm training, it's like, I just am beating that old package. And I just want to come in with this undeniable physique. And that is in my training sessions. Now, when I'm eating as far as food, it's, I'm fueling for recovery and feeding my muscles. Like that's it. Like right. if I don't eat food, I'm going to feel more like hot garbage than I already feel because I'm not going to be fueling my body. Like I'm so sore. This food is helping me like eat it. And if I'm not hungry, it's like, well, do you think your muscles are going to grow if you don't feed it? Like, no, they're not. You're just preventing yourself from, you know, having that undeniable physique. So it's like, I'm constantly reminding myself, like, do not, like, you don't want, you don't want to go back on stage looking the same. So you have to do everything you possibly can to make that happen. Right. Right. For sure. So I actually, that's, that's a great point. My friend, I uh, just did a podcast with yesterday. Well, part two, we already did it, but he's a basketball player. And one of the things yeah. that he said that really stuck with me, and I want your thoughts on this. He was like, the off season, I think it's reversed though. So like, what I'm about to reverse the word off season and on season. Okay. Okay. So he basically was saying that for basketball, the work in the off season is easy. He was like, because like, there's no game, there's no nothing. You're just going to the gym. You work on your game and go home. He said, but continuing to work on season is where people separate themselves. When you've had back-to-back -back games and you're still getting up and getting your weights in and you're still going and working on your craft and all those things. So we're reversing that um, in the off season. I think a lot of people take that as it's an off season. I'm off. I can chill yeah. a little bit where you are almost oh. 
working harder than what you would be doing for a prep. Oh, yes. And you just, you said one of those things that just really like, it's the off season. You can just X, Y, and Z. It's the off season. Why are you still in the gym every day? It's the off season. Why are you still so focused on blah, 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 blah. And I just want to go back to your Tom Brady because let's just like think for a second. Okay. Like you're, you're Brady. Okay. And Tom Brady's in the off season, but they still got practice. They still have film. They still have weights. And you know, you're like, Hey Tom, like have a drink with me. And Tom's like, nah, man, like I got weights in the morning. Then I got film. He's like, Oh yeah, man. Like you got to, you know, you gotta, you gotta be ready for that. You know, we need you to to get ready, you know, for the season and you got to be there for your team. Like, yeah, man, I understand, whatever. Hey Liz, like have a drink with me. No, I got to train in the morning. Oh, no. Can you see me? You're good. Yeah. My thing. Okay. Um, no, I got to train in the morning. Oh, but you're in the off season. Yeah. But that, that doesn't mean like, that doesn't mean anything. Like I'm still working towards my goals. It's like, yeah, yeah. But like, you don't have any shows coming up anytime soon. Like you didn't tell Tom that he just won the super bowl, but like he, he's got a whole off season. You didn't tell him, you know, it would be the same thing. And it's my, it's mind blowing to me. Right. Mind. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's just our sport in general. You know what I mean? Like people just don't understand it in the first place. Uh, Even Tom Brady, recently just won his eighth Super Bowl and he literally put a picture up a week later on Twitter like back at it again walking on the field getting ready to start like exactly and I saw I was listening to like a little YouTube thing this dude eats less food than I eat okay like I was listening to like his day of eating and maybe the volume is more but like he eats like two carbs a day and I'm like his restrictive diet like come on now nobody's hating on him nobody's like you should not eat like tom brady people are probably researching that being like i'm gonna eat like tom brady but it's like we put our meal plans up there and they're like oh they're starving themselves like i couldn't eat like that all day every day and it's like okay all right i see you (laughs) but interesting too because if anybody was like following you and your stories and your because you update us with food all the time i learned what a blue was um thanks to liz (laughs) Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, it's amazing that people would think that after seeing what you're eating on a daily and your intake on a daily. Um, but I also think at the same time, there's a, and I don't want anybody listening or watching, don't take this the wrong way, but there's such a level of ignorance when it comes to nutrition throughout America, um, yeah. where they just don't know, or they'll listen to anyone they saying the exact opposite of what we say <laughs> when it comes to nutrition. Um, so have you coached anybody? Do you help people out in that way? I do more of lifestyle. Um, it's funny because I was saying. Even better, even better. Yeah. Like, even better. I was saying how like macros kind of made me super food focused, but that's just me as a person. I do macro-based programs for people and it's it's almost amazing for them because they can live so lifestyle and I think that just comes from you know the personality like like they are lifestyle people so having more flexibility works for them you know like they like the idea of being able to go to a restaurant and still being able to track their goals and like go you know to a weekend at the beach and have a couple of drinks and like still plug it into their macros and they'd be fine right. not everybody and it's like like is this cinnamon toast crunch gonna make me perform better or worse better you know like they're not thinking like that so it works really well for them um and I I very much enjoy it nothing makes me happier than to help people um just be better at anything like gosh, I just have such a passion for like, I don't care. Like if you want to be the best knitter in the world, like, let me get you there. Let me hype you. Like you. So baby, you, so, right. <laughs> you know, right. For sure. So <laughs> I, I like what you said, as far as the macro thing, because I actually did like a little challenge with some people and my, mm-hmm. I, I, I do both. So I'll write you out a full diet where it's like A, B, C, D, E, F, do this. Mm-hmm. And then I do macro, which in my thought process, that would be more for a lifestyle 
and wanting mm-hmm. to educate my client to where they won't need me anymore in a certain <laughs> amount. Oh, that was so good. How you said that they won't need you anymore, man. I can't tell you how much I like, I don't want my clients to work with me forever. I want them to feel like they can go and live their life on their own, eat intuitive for a long period of time. But if they feel like they need to tighten it up, be able to track their macros and know how to do it. But coaches these days, man, they just, they just want to tell you that they have the secret, that they know the secret sauce and like, you need them. And like, you know, it, if you can quit, but like, you're going to come back to me because you're going to fall off. Like, that's not a, that's not a coach. Oh, (laughs) that's that's not how you develop a person. But what I found out during this time is something you said, which is the mental or the psychology of a person affects how they react to things. And I always use this example. So there was this big thing about hit cardio, which I hate. There's a big thing about hit cardio and steady state cardio, which I love, which is, I know that's weird, but how hit cardio is like so much better and you burn calories faster and you burn more fat. And then science got involved and told you guys that's not true. If there's right. an advantage, it might be like 0. 0.1, 0. 0.001 advantage. Like it's nothing that's substantial enough for you to say this is better than the other. Mm-hmm. My thought process is that's true science-wise, but science is not taking into account the psychology aspect of the athlete doing it. For instance, Correct. if you love hit, you're probably going to work harder, which means you Correct. probably burn more. Where I like Correct. steady state, so I'm going to work harder. I think it's the same thing with diet, whereas I've given people macro diets and they're just not ready for that. So it goes nowhere. And they're like, I need you to write something out for me because I'm more of a person that I can follow A, B, and C. When you give me choices, I'm all over the place. I would even say that I've had a diet where it was a macro one and it was like, I'm trying to make, it was shrimp on it. I'm trying to make shrimp fajitas. I'm trying to do all, because I'm like, I got it here. Let me try it. I need something to you just eat this and be quiet. I'm that type of athlete. So in your experience, even with lifestyle clients, have you had to adjust? Have you had a client say, I can't, this is just too many choices. Can we make this a little bit different? Of course. Um, you're always going to want to meet your client where they're at. Um, but I still never want to say This is all you can have. Um, So at that point, what I kind of do is I give them a list of carbs, fats, and proteins. um, And I put like grams next to it. And then I'll also send them a breakdown of, you know, five meals a day. This is how many carbs, proteins, and fats for each meal, which will be different pre and post workout. And then that way they can just kind of plug in what is on the side into that meal. So then they can make whatever they want, but still within a, like, these are your foods. So they don't have to think so broad. It's like, okay, now I have a list of things that I can choose from and I can make meals out of not let me walk into the grocery store and figure it out on my own. You know, the, how people can do that. The people that can do that with the macros. I'm like, you guys are amazing because I can't, It, it takes time. Um, I, I finally got there, but once I got there, I became so food focused. I was like, I don't even want to be here anymore, you know? Right. And <laughs> I mean, that that's what it is, though. Like, if you're doing the fix your macros, you got to be focused. You have to. Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can understand that. So, um, all right. So the, the next topic we're going to talk about is I think it's an important one because I want hopefully men and women are on here to hear this perspective. But this is about dating while being a Christian. Um, We'll even say dating while being a Christian bodybuilder because that's a whole nother level of I don't have enough time for the crap um, that's going on. And and you guys don't really know my story as far as how I met my wife and what I went through. And I can talk about that on a different one or I might throw some gems in here while we're (laughs) while we're talking. But I wanted Liz's thought process because I know she's probably hit up a lot like I said the industry that we're in and she's told me some of her responses that are <laughs> hilarious um Liz is like Liz okay so I told I was talking to my mom about this the other day I said Liz is like the crossfitter or herbalifer that's always talking about it's just Jesus so I was like so a dude could be like 
oh my God, you like, you love Jesus. You look white. You're perfect. You'll be like, yeah, so is my God. He's the perfect man for me. And it's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> Red flag, you know what I mean? Like, we won't, won't go there. So talk a little bit about that. Have you, since you've been bodybuilding, have you dated? Or, you know, what is your approach to that right now? Because I know you're super focused on your walk with God and bodybuilding. Yes. Um, okay. So great question. Um, like I said, when I started bodybuilding, I was not as into my faith as I am now. And it is a walk. And the more that you grow into your faith, um, I think the more you have conviction and there's discernment and all of these things that, um, it, you, you just do life differently. Um, so I did date, uh, actually, so it got part of what got me into bodybuilding. Um, someone that I was dating told me that bodybuilding was not attractive. Um, so obviously that made me want to do bodybuilding. Um, so we broke up, (laughs) (laughs) tell me not to do something. I'm going to do it. Um, and then I dated a couple of guys, um, but definitely not relationships that were glorifying God at all by any means. Um, And this is a a very recent tug that has been on my heart, but I do not want to have sex until I am married. I just, that's like you said, a whole nother topic. We're just, we're not going to go there right now because it's so long. We can, we we can, I've had the experience, so we can. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that I feel has been a relationship ruiner for me, like as bad as that sounds. Um, and I don't think, um, with competing, um, and I don't have a timeline for marriage. I just don't see it fair to date without intention. So if I'm not dating you with the end goal of being married, because I don't see marriage in my three-year plan, then I'm just, teasing you along because what are the chances that I can find someone who has that same desire in their heart and okay say they don't have that desire but they respect me for it how long can they respect me without pushing me to temptation and like I said I'm not perfect and this is new to me so I will fall into that will I like Jesus knows the devil don't sleep and I will fall into that temptation so it's like I just I just don't want it right now. You know, I don't, I don't need it. There's no purpose behind it. It's for fun and for fun dating. It's just a a trap for me. Right. Okay. So what you're saying is basically at this point, you're taking dating as it could be a temptation to breaking what you're trying to hold on to, which is not having sex. Is that what you're saying? Pretty. Yeah. But only because I don't, only because I have this other goal, like, like marriage is not in, in my, my plan right now. And I just don't like it. That person wouldn't be a priority to me. So how can I build this, this relationship that could potentially go to marriage when they're not even my priority competing is right. You know? Right. But what, okay. So let me ask you this. Um, What if they're, not your priority but you meet this person obviously there's something there you let them know that you know marriage is not a thing right now and they're okay with that like I understand but they're fully supportive of your goal and they're like look I'm here to help you do whatever you can to get there if you want me to prep a meal for you pick up like how does that work I wouldn't put the word dating on it I would have that person or expect that person to be my friend, to be my support system. Um, I would obviously, it would be somebody who would come to church with me, who would be doing life with me, but I wouldn't necessarily romanticize it because that's where the temptation, you know, would come in. And it's like, when I'm ready, if that person is true, like truly believes that I will be their wife and like is truly pursuing me. And it's like, God bless, then they'll wait. Then they'll wait until I'm ready to make it. 
more romantic and make it more like we're dating and put that label of dating on it. And then, you know, pursue a marriage or the idea of marriage from there. But I wouldn't necessarily like say that I'm dating that person in that time. Does that make sense? No, it does. I actually, so I, we got different definitions. Um, Oh, okay. Because dating to me is the first process. It's the friendship level friendship level that's getting to know somebody you're dating yeah i kind of like this person i'm attracted to the person courting is a whole nother different thing i don't um, think people and huh? <laughs> i don't think people use that term anymore dude that's my point because there yeah. especially when you're a christian like for me me trying to find my wife at the time and I, like i said i'll get into this i went absent for six years so i was not yeah. having um, what's crazy oh, is temptation was there. It definitely was. But every yeah. woman that I would either start to date or talk to weeded their way out of my life. I think that was God's way of stopping that before it started, which is yeah. good with that. Um, That's awesome. so with that being said, the reason that I say courting is because when you're dating, that doesn't mean that you're in a relationship with somebody. You can date multiple people. And I'm not yeah. saying that like you're being a, excuse my language, a hoe or guys being a male hoe. Like dating is dating. I can go on a date with a woman and we figure out that we're not compatible and I can go on a date the next week and that's okay. The next yeah. step or level to that is courting because when I'm courting a woman, and I know that's a weird word, but I love to use it because now I see the attributes of you that I want to make you my wife. That's a whole yeah. different level and I don't want to dumb that down to dating so that's, that's why I said courting I love that's why that's I say courting. so I, I actually yeah. agree with you but I will say and I know we've talked about this but I will say that I was bodybuilding and competing when my wife now came into the picture yeah she had already been through some preps so she understood that process and she was also getting ready to prep for Miss Oklahoma, the beauty pageant. So we started spending time together at the gym, work out with mm-hmm. each other. We were meal prepping together, so we didn't have to go out to eat a lot, which made it be more creative of what we could do and what we would go and do. Um, our first day, well, our first day was Starbucks like that. And fellas, I'm letting y'all know that right now. The girl likes coffee take her to Starbucks. It's quiet. It's intimate. And you guys can have like actual conversation. Right. Jim. So, all right, guys, write that down. Um, but our second day was like, <laughs> bowling. you know what I mean? Like bowling. Yeah, and that's I, fine. That's she fine. listens. I beat the crap out of her too. She's in the next room. I beat you. No grounds um, for not dating. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm asking, like in those situations, obviously we, everybody thinks different. But I understand you're focused on your goal. You're focused on your walk with Christ. It's just not the right time. Yeah, definitely not. Um, and I just don't want to, I don't want it to be something that consumes my mind. Um, I I mean, boys are, <laughs> boys are cute. Okay. <laughs> okay like, We're real on this. Really- it's authentic. So be authentic. <laughs> real okay like that it's something that I'm very new to like being bold in like now when I am on a date with a guy I'm just now being bold enough to to open my mouth and and let them know that I don't want to have sex until marriage and how strong a relationship I have with God but that doesn't mean that if I'm alone with them at nine o'clock at night and we're watching Netflix and I find them very cute that I I wouldn't you know be tempted and and take it there so it's why put yourself in that situation right no and and every time that i up there i feel so guilty i end up resenting them like i pull away from the relationship because i now i don't feel good about myself like it's not what i wanted it's not by any means what god wants you know and it's like i can't i can't I know you're supposed to forgive yourself and like, I'm not saying it's bad for everyone. This is just something that convicts me and it stays with me and I cannot unsee it with that person. And it's a relationship ruiner for me. Right. So, and, and again, the reason I wanted to talk about this, because I think there's a lot of girls 
that are dealing with the same thing you are. Um, as far as trying to take that step, I know plenty that I've talked to that are trying to take that step. I also know those same girls that thought I was weird as heck when I told them yeah. I that step. But now you see the importance in it because I, you know, I, I get the question all the time of, well, if you're not having sex, like, how do you know you're going to be sexual, sexually compatible? And I'm like, oh. think that if God got you spiritually connected with this person and physically or mentally, that the physical is just going to be like terrible. That don't make right. sense. Like, I don't, I can wait for that. But the, um, one of the things you're talking about, Andy Maneo, who's like one of my favorite Christian rappers, has a song about it. Oh. Yes. And he talks about, uh, he literally has a full verse where he's talking about that, like how he's having sex with this girl, it's his girlfriend, but he's feeling bad every time he has it. And he comes to the point of, is this momentary satisfaction worth destroying my relationship with God? And it's not. Not. And I think that if we were to look at it like that, because the once I heard that, I'm like, that's how I'm approaching this. I can't. Yeah. You're gone again. There we go. I know. I got I got 10, 10%. Oh, okay. Well, we're, we're almost done, so it's fine. But I can't, I keep, I would go into processes and thinking like, I can't let these brief moments of satisfaction that really, at the end of the day, mean nothing right yeah. now, ruin what I'm trying to do. Um, it's another one that I said, it's, it's trying to fill an, an earthly thing with a God-sized hole, right. you know? Right. Yeah, I agree. So when it comes to, I guess, your goals, because you're a very, very goal-driven person, um, do you keep that in the forefront as far as when a guy approaches you or when a guy talks to you? How do you do that in a nice way, the Liz way, of saying, like, yo, this is not the time. Maybe down the road it could be, but I'm just too focused on me and what I'm doing. Yeah, um, I've definitely had those conversations recently. Um, I think, uh, well, when people talk to you on social media, I don't ever really expect it to go anywhere. So I normally normally just hit them with like a joke. Uh, like one time <laughs> this guy was like, your, your legs are so strong or something. And I was like, yeah, but my heart be stronger for the Lord. You know, and they kind of just like. <laughs> you say to that. Really I for real hit him with that. Oh man. Um, but okay. But real life people, you just I think when you you associate yourself with me, you kind of under I I talk about Jesus. At some point in conversation, there's gonna be a little sprinkle of Jesus in there. So I think it doesn't really come as a shock to them anymore when you live life with me and you know you kind of are like, hey, I really like you. Um, I'd like to see more of you. And I'm like this is where I'm at in my faith and this is where I'm at with my goals. And that's just not in alignment right now. And I've had, I have people that are like, you know, like, that's cool. I'm going to continue to support you. I'm going to continue to train with you and do life with you. And if that turns into something down the line, then so be it. And if, you know, my lifestyle and the way that I am, if they're like, you know, I'm probably not going to wait that long. Like we could be friends, but I'm going to date somebody else. Then that's cool too. Like I don't expect, I don't expect anyone to wait around for me. If they do, then, then that is the person. Right. So my last thing, because this is something that a lot of people deal with. Um, I dealt with it in my past where it's the, I'm going to save this person into my wife. I'm going to save this person into my mm -hmm. husband. And we discussed this where I asked you, so what do you think about a guy who is just starting his faith and he approaches you? How do you feel about that? And Money I think because great answer. Yeah. yeah, my sisters and my mom have even kind of said, you know, like, what if you're supposed to, you know, help somebody else grow into their faith? And the issue I see with that is I think that the man should lead. I believe that the like, like wives should be submissive to your husbands and your husbands should be a leader. Does that mean that like you have to bow down to everything that your husband says? No, but I think that your husband should have very manly roles. And part of being a man is being very strong in your faith, being a man of God and 
walking your family through that faith. So if somebody is new to their faith and they approach me and I'm not looking to get married right now. So great. Awesome. Work on that yourself. Do it for yourself because you want to be with God. You want to build your relationship with God. And if that person be, then becomes, you know, this great man of God and then pursues me and then we can have family together. But I don't, I don't think it is my job to put, to, to walk someone through getting closer because then, then they're doing it for me. They're doing it for, to be my my husband and it's, it's not for them. It's not the relationship that they want. They're doing it for me. And if you're doing it for me, then there's no foundation there. Then what happens when we get into a fight? You know, he wasn't your foundation. I was your foundation. What happens when I do something wrong and I let you down and you're mad at me? Are you going to go do something bad? But you shouldn't because he should be your foundation. I shouldn't be your foundation. You right. know what I mean? No, I, it's a great, great answer. That's why I asked it because I, like I said, it's too many people now, especially Christians, especially in our generation that want to mold this person into husband material, wifey material. And it's just not, the case. I think women, and I'm not being, you know, sexist or, or generalizing, but I, in, in most instances, I've seen a lot of women want to do that because they're prone to yeah. like bad boy or they're prone to like a certain type of male. And it's like, well, maybe I can get him to go to church with me and maybe I can, I can change him. And you just It's not not just in relationships. I think all Christians, we kind of, we put on that, I can save them, you know, like superhero cape, but it's not our job to do that. And we have to remember that it's our job to plant the seed and let, you know, pray for them, pray for softened hearts, and then let God do that. That's God's job. It's just our love and to be a disciple, it's not our job to save anyone. We're not saving anyone. We're not saving anyone. It doesn't matter, you know, if that person was at church with you or not, you didn't save them. <laughs> so right, it's, right. it's, I think that's a human in us though. You know, we all, yeah, all want to sure. play that part. For sure. So, all right, Liz, I know your phone's you're ready to die. So we can kind of cut it there. My last question, future show plans. Are we, you know, next year? Is that the, the goal? That's my idea. Ryan keeps throwing in this little like December national show thing. Um, of course, I paid Ryan because I trust him wholeheartedly. If he thinks my physique is ready by then, I'm going to trust him. But I'm thinking I want the whole year just to, you know, don't want to leave anything. No doubt. No room of doubt. You know, like if I would have grown saying... just a little bit. I'll say a couple things to that because that is your ultimate goal. But number one, taking the time to see what's coming on stage this year is really important because you That's can kind of gen- you can kind of like see okay where you fit in. But two, yeah, too many people prep until December with Christmas coming around and Thanksgiving. Right. That opportunity might be crazy to give up, which is probably what Ryan is such a like st- like strategic person. Like, even for me, talking about what shows we're going to do, he's like, no, you can't go here. They're not going to like your body type. Like, how do you That's know so, that? He's, he's so good. Yeah, he's like, no, we're not going. They don't like bigger guys. Not that I'm big. I'm a, but yeah. up. We're not going to hype them up, but. No, you know. yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, okay. Well, Liz, I appreciate you for joining. This was actually a really good conversation. We yeah, had a lot think- of topics that I haven't hit, like with other people so you you did really well and um anything else just thank you so much for having me on here oh i got two of your your tanks they're coming in so saw that yeah i saw that got merch get it people we're gonna be rocking it (laughs) all right y'all thank you for those who are watching Uh, (laughs) for those who are listening we appreciate you liz have a great rest of the day bye